All right, we're going to, uh, let's learn the ministry here. We're going to learn about youth ministry, all right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then there's that, all right? (laughs) There's always that element. I love it, Chase. Go for it. Nothing like being excited. I, uh, I came down and I was talking the other day. I remember I come into this classroom and after I was in my classroom for a while on Sunday morning, then I came down to the auditorium classroom and it was just dead silence in here. And I don't know if I could function on that every week. And, uh, and so I like a little, a little life and uh, a little excitement. That's, that's always good. And um, did I switch over here? All right, good. All right. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to look at the, uh, the youth ministry tonight. Turn to Acts chapter 20. And um, we're going to take a look. I was all over the place on what to do with youth ministry. And, um, you know, I could give you all the things about, you know, the background of, of, of why we have it, what's the reason behind it, our philosophy of youth ministry. And, and, uh, and I've kind of talked about those things before. And, and, uh, and, and without a doubt, I was praying what the Lord had me do. I had two different thoughts I was going back and forth on, um, what I would do. And, um, and without a doubt, I'm, I'm kneeling, I'm praying down. And, uh, and the Lord brings this passage into my mind. And, uh, and as soon as I sat down and looked at it, I just knew um, it, may not be, um, it may not be my ideal message, but I, I'm, I'm 100% certain it's his ideal message. And, uh, and so um, that's what we're going to look at tonight. And um, we're going to look at, <clears throat> really, I guess if I had to get, put a title on it, um, I, I would title it this way, The Responsibility of Youth Ministry. What's the responsibility? How does it work? Where does the responsibility lie with youth ministry? And, uh, and so we're going to look at that tonight and, uh, and try to examine where, what, what all the capa- what's the capacity of the youth ministry. Where, where does that, uh, that responsibility fall on? And so um, we're going to read here tonight Acts chapter 20. And, uh, Acts chapter 20 in verse number 7. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7. And uh, I think most of you are probably pretty familiar with this passage of Scripture. In Acts chapter 20, verse number 7, it says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Don't be scared. I'm not going to preach till midnight. I know, I know I have this reputation. I feel like I need to clear the air here. I've never preached like an hour-long message before. Never. It's never it might happen tonight, all right? But it hasn't up till this point. And, uh, man, I got the wrap around here. Everyone dogs me out. They, people I don't even know stand up behind here and they dog me out on it. So, man, it's rough. Paul preached till midnight. Okay? So let's just make note of that. It's Bible. And, uh, and so he preached till midnight. Verse number 8. <clears throat> and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And again, let's not practice that tonight. Uh, Being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and, uh, and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive. And we're not a little comforted. There are a many, there, there's many lessons taught throughout Scripture. You could, you could find all different kinds of things to preach about. There's lessons taught on parenting. There's lessons taught on pastoring. There's lessons taught on preaching. But, and there's no real specific thing that ever mentions youth ministry. 
It doesn't say youth pastor in the Bible. It's not even one of the gifts that God gave to the church, all right? And, uh, and so those things, they, they don't fall in Scripture. But when the Lord brought me to this passage, I began to examine it. I believe that this is probably one of the only passages in Scripture where I believe all of the elements of youth ministry are found in one story. And, uh, and there's, there's three elements to youth ministry. And, uh, and, that, and we want to look at that tonight. There's the, the three elements of youth ministry are parents, kind of important, teenagers or young people, also important, and the pastor. And uh, I actually, my position is, is just an extension of pastor. I, there's, no, there's no necessary uh, calling to youth pastorate. And so what I do as my role in the church is I'm an extension of pastor in working with our young people and encouraging them in their walk with the Lord. And, uh, and so I, I play a role, but it's just uh, as an extension of, of the pastor of this church. And, uh, and so we have parents, we have teens, and we have the pastor. You need all those things in order to have a healthy youth ministry. And, uh, and so... I believe that this system of parents, teenagers, and pastor is what God ordained to be youth ministry. I believe that that's how it works. I I think that he intended it. He built it this way uh, for a very specific purpose. You can't have parents and teenagers and call that youth ministry. You have to have a pastor. And you can't have parents and a pastor and call that youth ministry either. You have to have young people. And so it's one of those threefold cords. You know, it kind of all works together. In order to be truly effective, you have to have all parts of it. And as I mentioned earlier, I believe that there's a great responsibility in these areas. And that's a dirty word in the world we live today. Responsibility. In order for uh, the youth ministry to be effective, in order for it to work, it takes responsibility from all three of those categories, those categories to make it work properly, for it to function 100% the way that it ought to. And uh, responsibility, what does it even mean? It's, it, as defined by Webster, is a state of being accountable or answerable. We have to answer for it. There, there, there's something that God's put in our place. He's given us a, a method of working uh, with young people, and, and we have to answer for that. We're accountable for it. And, uh, and so the state of being accountable is responsibility. And the Bible is very clear that all of us will give an account. Romans chapter 14. So every one of us We'll give an account. We're going to stand before God. We're going to have to give an account of how we acted. And, and, uh, and again, church, you know, you say, well, I'm not a parent or I don't have young people. Well, how does this? Well, the church falls into this category with the pastor. All right. And, uh, and, and how we minister to the young people that we've got in our church. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll look at this. Before we get started tonight, looking at the, the, the uh, youth ministry, let's have a word of prayer and uh, kick off the service this evening. Father, Lord, we do thank you for the tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to look into your word, to learn lessons. And uh, Lord, we're so thankful for uh, the Bible that's uh, inexhaustible. It contains the truth that we need uh, in order to grow. And uh, Lord, we're here tonight because we want to hear from you, Lord. So I ask that you would put me aside. And uh, Lord, that I would deliver the message that you have for me and uh, that it would be clearly understood and applied in the believer's life. And Lord, I pray that we would walk out of this place edified and encouraged through your word. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take just a journey right through this passage. And I'll try not to stray off too long. We're, we're going to stay right in these, these group of verses. And uh, we'll, we'll do a little cross-referencing here. But uh, the responsibility of youth ministry. First of all, we look at and we need to highlight the responsibility of parents. The responsibility of the parents. And, uh, and you know, we all have a role to play, a, a parental role, if you will. Even if you don't have children. 
And uh, we, we, we play a role in encouraging. It's very clear in the Word of God uh, that the younger are to teach the, uh, the, the older are to teach the younger. The, the older women teach the younger women. The older men teach the young men. And, uh, and that's just not a parental role. That's a, that's a body of Christ's role. And so while these things are directed towards parents, they apply to the whole church. And so we see in verse number 7 here, the responsibility of the parents. The first thing we notice in verse number 7 is upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together. What I want you to notice here is that this is not the apostles. You think of disciples and you think about Peter, James, John, all the rest. The disciples came together. The responsibility of parents, number one, first of all, is to be a disciple of Christ. When the disciples came together, if we're going to have a healthy youth ministry and if it's going to function well, our young people are going to turn out, we need adults who are disciples of Christ. Followers of God. Followers of God. We follow after ourselves so often. We follow after our desires. We follow after our ambition. We follow after money. But do we follow after God? It's a responsibility of the parents to be first and foremost a disciple of Christ. And we see here that upon the first day of the week, the disciples came together. What do your children or adults, what do young people know about God because of your walk with God? If we're followers of Christ, then what they're going to see is a reflection of Christ. Because uh, a Christian is just a little Christ, I'm a follower of Christ. And so if I'm truly a disciple and I'm walking after Jesus Christ, those that are coming behind me are going to see a reflection of Christ, not me. And I believe that it's missing far too often today. What do our children know about your walk with God? It's such a secretive thing, our walks with God. At least I get that feeling. They're rarely talked about. They're mostly assumed. And they're probably not going on in the home. What do your children, parents, can I challenge you in this area? What, when's the last time you had a spiritual conversation with your children? When's the last time you asked about their spiritual questions? When's the last time you asked about their spiritual doubts? Do you believe this? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I mean, what do your, what do your children know? Remember, this is your responsibility. This is the parental responsibility. What do your children know about your walk with God? It goes for all the adults in the room as well. Is it possible that all your children know about your walk with God or that young people know about your walk with God is what they assume you have because it's never verbalized? Man, the redeemed of the Lord is supposed to say so. We're supposed to talk about God. We're supposed to, we're supposed to enter into the church building and be able to have a conversation with our brothers and sisters in Christ on a spiritual level, talking about what the Lord has done in our lives and praising him for his goodness. And when does that happen? It's so important, it's responsibility. I would venture to say that in my experience, teenagers know more about their parents' social media, hobbies, or entertainment than they know about their parents' walk with God. It's very true. Because conversations aren't occurring. And it's not being talked about. Family devotions are not being done. Even prayer time is neglected. Just a simple time of prayer with your children. What is our influence? Man, our goal, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him 
And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. That's our goal as Christians, as believers. Uh, That's a disciple of Christ. That's what we are. And so that's what our children should know. Do they know him? The power of his resurrection because they see that in our lives? Man, it's so important. And remember, this is a responsibility. This is not a recommendation. This is not a suggestion. We see here on the first day of the week that they, the disciples came together. The disciples came together. All right, so we see the responsibility of parents, the disciples, uh, to be disciples of Christ. The second responsibility of parents is to bring our children with us. To bring our children with us. Not just to be a disciple of Christ, but to physically bring our children along with us. They're not always going to understand it. We're going to have babies in Christ. They're not going to know. And they need to be brought. They need to be brought along. Hey, this young man Eutychus is here at the preaching service. Uh, We'll see from his attitude and we'll address it later on. He probably didn't want to be there. But he was brought there. And parents, you're going to have to force your kids to do spiritual things, even though they don't have right attitudes. That's your responsibility to bring your children along with you. They came together to break bread. It's the responsibility of parents and all adults to be disciples of Jesus Christ, but it's also our responsibility to bring our children along with us. And you look at this thing. I didn't say that we're to send our children. I didn't say that we're supposed to encourage them. We need to bring them. Okay? That means they're with us while we minister. They're with us while we worship. They're with us while we serve. They're with us while we sacrifice. Hey, the greatest Christian that your child or any young person, parent, if you have have children, the greatest Christian that your child should know is you, the parents. It should not be your pastor. It should not be your youth pastor. It should not be another man or another woman in the church. It should be the parents. That's the, that's the calling to the parent, for the parents. You're, that's the responsibility. Amen. The greatest Christian. Why? Because they see you faithfully following after God as a disciple of Christ. And you're not doing it from a distance. You are hand in hand doing it with them. Some of you are parents in here and you, you understand what I'm saying. Some of you are past, past the stage of parenting and, uh, and you understand what I'm saying. Some of you won't, uh, haven't, don't have kids yet. But this, this applies in all areas of your life. Whether you've got kids or not, there's going to be babies, there's going to be young people in your life. You're to be a disciple, and you're to bring that baby along with you, that young person along with you. Help them to grow. Help them to see. Be an example of the believer in word, in deed, in thought, in action, all of those things. Be the example of the believer. A true disciple will bring, we see in this passage, the disciple's the disciples gathered together, they brought their children with them. A true disciple will bring their children along with them, while parents who simply send their children to follow Christ are really just exposing their own priorities. All right, make sense? A parent or a, a person who's just sending their children, saying, Go, 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 you go serve, it's a good thing to do, you're exposing your priorities, and they're not being a disciple of Christ. And, uh, and so, um, this is responsibility here. The youth ministry is not responsible for raising children. We're not responsible for resolving conflicts. We're not responsible for answering all the questions. We're here to encourage and help. 
It's an important ministry. It's needed because folks need encouraged and they need helped. But I feel sometimes that I'm perpetuating a problem, even in my own role, where I'm stepping in and, and helping young people or pushing young people, when honestly, if I can just be very com- clear, complacent, parents should be in that role. Should be encouraging them. And, and, and we see a neglect of that duty. These folks, the example that the church is giving us here in the book of Acts is that these, these people gathered together and they were bringing their young people with them. They came together to break bread. Such an important responsibility. Not only that, but we see the third responsibility of parents here is to place a preeminence on the word of God. We're still in verse number seven, all right? You following along here? Upon the first day of the week, all right, we just see the disciples gather together. The disciples came together. They came to break bread, to place a preeminence on the word of God. They came together with a specific purpose. Their purpose was to break bread. Hey, the church is not an activity zone. The church and the youth ministry is not an activity zone. It's a spiritual emphasis ministry. That's why we've got it here. And uh, it's to help encourage and to help grow. And we see that the disciples came together. We know that they brought young people with them. We'll see Eutychus in a minute here. But they came together to break bread. Obviously, to break bread, what we know, uh, that's the Lord's Supper. We know that they're breaking bread, and, uh, and, and that is, there is no greater time, at least in my spiritual life, when Jesus Christ is preeminent than at the Lord's Supper. Man, when I stop and in silence just think about Jesus and the cross, and I think about what he's done for me, the gift of salvation that I've received, there's no other time that he is, I believe, that I mean, man, it's just such a special time. The Lord's Supper is a special time. And, and, and it just lifts him up to a new level in my mind. And man, I enjoy that time of preeminence. And we see here the parents, they brought their young people and they came together to break bread. You know what these parents are saying? Hey, young people, there's nothing more important than God. He's the, he is the sustenance that you'll need. Now, not only are they talking about breaking bread when it's concerning the Lord's Supper, but also, also in the Bible it talks about breaking bread uh, as in a spiritual sustenance. We break the bread of life. And so these parents have gathered their young people together, or at least Eutychus is here, and he's being gathered together, and they've come for a purpose, to break bread. So these parents are teaching their young people, hey, nothing more important in life than God. Nothing more important in life than his word. Nothing more important in life than him being preeminent, seated on the throne of your life. It is the responsibility of the parent to teach the preeminence of the word of God. It is the responsibility of the pastor, he'll lift it up, yes. But taught, being taught to honor the word of God, that happens in the home. Amen. It should. Now, obviously, there's some exceptions to this. There's young people that come to our church faithfully who do not have a home where this is going to happen. And I'm, I know who I'm speaking to tonight. I know that I'm speaking to the body of Christ. And I know it's a Wednesday night. But I want to encourage us in this area of what are we doing with our young people. There is a responsibility in the home that the parents, they teach that the word of God and the things of God are to be preeminent in our lives. So many other things are lifted above God on a daily basis in our homes and in our lives. And not a second thought is given in the matter. But that is not the responsibility of the pastor to come into your home and rearrange the the priorities. He can't live with you. 
I'm sure he doesn't want to live with you. But the parents have the responsibility to prioritize things. No, we're not going to do this on Sunday. It's the first day of the week and we're going to gather together to break bread. And not only that, but we're going to do it so much the more as we see the day approaching because we know we need to be in church. So we're going to be there Wednesday night. We're going to be there for missions conference. We're going to be there for missions conference. We're going to be there for missions conference. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to be there uh, whenever there's a service because we know that it's important. There's nothing more preeminent in our lives than the word of God and his son. God and his son. There's nothing more preeminent. And that's a lesson that is taught in the home. All right, so we see there's a threefold uh, importance here of youth ministry, and it starts in the home. It starts in the home. And there's some responsibilities that parents, in their, in their role, that they have to play. Our physical bodies, we see here in this, in this idea of preeminence, our physical bodies, they need nourishment. And young people have to be taught that without the, the things of God, there is no spiritual nourishment that takes place. And they're going to catch that. They're going to catch that in the home. So parents, the responsibility, all right, to be a disciple of Christ, to bring your children along with you, to place the preeminence on the word of God. We want it. We want it. We, we have got a great, man, we've got an amazing youth ministry here. And so I'm not just, I'm not completely dogging us out here. I'm, I'm encouraging us. And, and I want to exhort us to say, hey, we can, we can be stronger and we can be better. And that's always the goal in the Christian life. I never feel beat down when I get my face torn off in a preaching service. I never do. I feel challenged. Man, I can do more through the Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Better than, ever, than I can be on my own. And, uh, and so let, let's, have a, let's have a healthier church, a healthier youth ministry. When, when the parents understand their responsibilities and they're enforcing these things in the home. The second thing uh, we talked about is we've got the responsibility of parents. And then there's the responsibility of the pastor. We see here in, in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. All right, first responsibility of the pastor is that he has to provide biblical preaching and teaching. There's going to be a healthy youth ministry. The job of the pastor as the under-shepherd is to provide preaching and teaching that is Bible-based. We see there in the beginning of verse number 8. And there were many lights in the upper chamber, and they were gathered together. Now, you can interpret that however you want. I don't think there's private interpretation in the Bible. I believe wholeheartedly that Paul is preaching and the reason God mentions that there's many lights there is because God's people had God's word out and they were having a a preaching service that was based on God's word. There could have been a couple lights for them to gather, but there was many lights. Why? Because I think everybody had their lamp and they were checking the preaching against the word of God. Is this biblical? Is this true? Is this right? And, uh, And they're listening. They're wanting to receive biblical preaching Delivered from the word of God. That's pastor's responsibility. And we hear it. Service after service. And when it comes to our young people, pastor uses me as an extension of himself to specifically teach them in certain areas and organize them together. Hey, I don't have the vision for everything that happens around this place. Pastor has the vision for the youth ministry. He's the one that sets the tone. He's the one that sets the key to it. And, and I'm just serving as an assistant to pastor. I, it has to be that way. If, I, if, if I'm elevated above pastor, if I'm put in a position above him where the youth respect me more than him, then it is an ungodly balance in the church. 
It's not going to be healthy moving forward. It's not going to be healthy when they're adults. It, it can't work that way. The pastor has to be the one who is, is, is regarded as that under-shepherd because he has been called here and placed here by God. I believe I'm here according to God's will, but I was hired by pastor. All right? And, uh, and, and I'm not saying it's against God's will, but I was appointed by man. But God brought pastor. All right? He, he, he called him to start this church, and he's anointed him for that purpose. And, uh, and so pastor's going to get up, and he's going to preach, and, and he's going to teach the Word of God, biblical, biblical truths from the Word of God. He's going to present them to us about how our families and how our lives should work based on the Word of God. And Paul preached unto them, and there were many lights in the upper chamber. Man, those people were there because they wanted to hear a message from the Word of God. And I hope that you've got a heart to hear preaching. If we're going to have a healthy ministry, a healthy youth ministry, we've got to have young people and parents and families alike that want to hear truth from the Word of God and want their lives to be modified not by opinion, but by the Word of God. We need change in our lives. We need change in our hearts. We need to be growing into the image of God's Son. And it's going to happen in part because of the responsibility of the pastor to bring and deliver godly preaching and teaching. And that's a role that he plays in the youth ministry. Also, there's the responsibility of pastor. We see here, first of all, that he delivers the, 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 the biblical preaching, that he delivers it from the Word of God. The second responsibility in delivering the, the biblical preaching and teaching is that it's delivered with great urgency. We see in verse number 7 that as Paul preached unto them, you see there, towards the end of the verse, he was ready to depart on the morrow. Man, I have no doubt Paul's thinking, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to this church. I don't know if I'm ever going to have an opportunity again to impact this church and these, this body of believers. And we see uh, with the length that he was there that he had an important message. He had something he needed to tell them. And so the responsibility of the pastor is that we have a, a youth ministry that runs with great urgency. Hey, there is no time to waste. There's no time to be slack. There's no time for us to be lazy. You've got to do. We've got to go. We've got to be more for the kingdom of heaven. These are important elements in the youth ministry. That the word of God is preached and that's from the word of God. But that it's delivered with great urgency. Also, the responsibility uh, of the pastor in youth ministry is that the message is delivered in its entirety. They didn't leave that night until midnight. That's when the preaching ended. See that it went on later than that. The preaching ended at midnight. Paul had something he had to say. And so he delivered it all. And you know, there's going to be truths sometimes that are going to be delivered to our young people, delivered to our church, in order for our ministry and our youth ministry to remain healthy, that aren't going to be things that we like to hear. Or always enjoy to hear but they're always going to be truth because it's delivered from God's word. And it's important for us to understand that the message, we've got to receive it in its entirety. Don't miss out on truth. Don't miss out on things that that God wants to teach. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life. How he wants to work. Because you turn off the preacher. You turn off the message being given got to listen to the message in its entirety. We see here that Paul preached and he continued his speech until midnight, the latter end of verse number seven. All right. We want a healthy youth ministry here at our church, but it's got to be Bible based and it's got to be the whole council. All right. It's got to be the whole deal. 
And, uh, and so, you know, there, there's times that um, we're teaching young people, we're, talk, we're, we're, we're talking about separation, or we're talking about things like that. And, and, and people are, why is this? Why is that? Why do we have all these things? Why is all these rules in place? Even to work with young people, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, there's a rules in place. There's things that you have to do. Meet certain requirements. Why? Because we need to follow the whole counsel of God's Word. We need to set an example. I didn't take the time to go over those this evening, but, you know, there's tiers of service we have at our church. You have to meet certain requirements in order to work with certain groups of people. Why? Because our example is so important that we're an example of the Word of God. We're following after the Word of God. And so the pastor's responsibility is to provide biblical preaching and teaching. He delivers it from God's Word. He delivers it with great urgency, and he delivers it in its entirety. We see that all in that verse number 7 and 8. All right? And then finally this evening, one last point here, make mention of, is the responsibility of the pupil. We've talked about the parent, we've talked about the pastor, now we've got the teenager, and the teenagers bear responsibility as well. All right? There's things that you have to do in order to make the youth ministry healthy here at our church. And so there's responsibility of the pupil. Uh, if you look in verse number nine, there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And, uh, and so, young person, I want you to understand tonight, the biggest cause of falling in a young person's life is presumptuous sins. It can go a long way. This can go not just in a young person's life. I believe the biggest reason that we stumble, that we falter, that we fail, is presumptuous sins. The Bible is very clear that there's two types of sins. If we, uh, we look in, uh, in, in Psalm chapter 19, don't look there tonight because of time. Psalm chapter 19, verse 12 and 13, you can write it down. But the psalmist says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. The first kind of sin, secret faults. Secondly, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. So there's, there's, uh, there's secret faults and there's presumptuous sins. Secret faults can be understood like a trap door. Sometimes we're walking through life and we don't know a trap door is there. And we fall in. That's a secret sin. There's sometimes that we do something or we say something that is wrong. And we may not know immediately that it's wrong. And that's why we have to go to God and ask God to reveal to us those secret faults. Cleanse thou me of secret faults. What is the psalmist saying here? I'm not sure what I've done, but I want you to search me. And I want to know if there's something in my life that shouldn't be there. There's been times I've offended people and I did not know I did it. You know what? I'm still responsible for that offense. All right? Whether I know I did it or not. And that's a sin. I've got to go deal with it. Okay? And so that's the, the first thing. The secret faults are like a trap door. Presumptuous sins are like a double hung door. A door like this that swings both ways. We know it's not a good idea to stand in front of the door. Because more than likely, at just a matter of time, somebody, well, I'm on this side of the door. It's fine. I can push it this way at any time. Right? I can go through this door. But at any time, somebody might come flying through the other way. And it's going to cause great harm. And that's a presumptuous sin. Putting ourselves in a position where we will willfully sin. A place of danger. And we see here that this young person, Eutychus, he has himself in a a place of presumptuous sin. Where is he seated? He's seated in a window. A place of danger. Now, he's not doing wrong, but he's got himself where bad things could happen. He's not focused on the preaching. He's got himself in the window, more likely than not, eye out the window, eye in the meeting. Double-minded, not really focused on what's going on. And so here he is, 
he, he has, he has got a, 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 a thing here where he's going to sin and it's going to be presumptuous. He, he willfully put himself in this position where he could fall out the window, where he could fall in his spiritual life because he put himself in a dangerous position. Presumptuous sin, it carries a connotation of carelessness. I'm not really that worried about it. And we know that Eutychus was careless because he wasn't listening to the preaching. He wasn't focused on what was happening. The the preaching was not the most important thing to him. And so because he put himself in that position, we see that he made a great fall. He put himself in proximity to danger. Hey, young people, you have a responsibility. In order for us to have a healthy youth ministry, you've got to keep yourself from presumptuous sins. And Christian alike, all of us in the room tonight, keep yourself from presumptuous sins. Don't put yourself in that position where you could expose yourself to danger, where you could take a spiritual fall. We probably do it too often. All right? And, uh, and, and there's so many different areas we could look at with that, but you, you think about something like the television. It could be a, a, an area of presumptuous sin where you, you know that more than likely you're going to find something that's not right. You've got you to be very careful about that stuff. You don't put yourself in a place where you're willfully sinning. And so there's, there's so many areas that that can apply to, um, but we'll let the Holy Spirit do the work there. If there's an area where you've put yourself in a position of falling, you can't do that. The responsibility of young people. All right, so first we see uh, to keep, uh, un- young people need to understand. You need to understand that you can't put yourself in a position of presumptuous sin. Young person need to understand you've got limited time to get the truth before you're lulled to sleep. Look there in verse number 9. It says, And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep. Hey, he only had a certain amount of time. The truth was being given to him over and over and over again. He's sitting there, and yes, it went on for a long time. He's hearing truth after truth after truth. But he never got it for himself. Sure, his parents were there, and they were disciples, and they were listening. But young person, you've got to have your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not always good enough to go on your parents. And and he didn't get it. And because he didn't get it, he got lulled to sleep. And that's what the world will do to a believer time after time after time. If you're not getting it, you're not walking with God, and you've got no relationship with God, you'll be lulled to sleep by this world. Nothing will be of importance to you. And that's why we've got so much backsliding and so much compromise uh, in our churches today is because Christians are being lulled to sleep because they're not getting it. They're not getting the walk with God. They're not understanding the urgency, not understanding the importance of their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he waited too long. He didn't get the truth. And we find here that he makes a fall. So young people understand you've got limited time before you're lulled to sleep. It goes for anyone. Don't think that you're going to serve God later. Don't think that I'll I'll, I'll do better my my devotions next week. It's got to be today. You don't know when your fallout the window is going to be. You keep procrastinating. You're going to get lulled to sleep. And so you've got to understand, you've got limited time. Young people, church alike, you've got to understand your sin will cause great distraction and discouragement. Man, look at this young person verse number, uh, in verse number 10. And Paul went down and fell on him. Hey, the whole service had to stop. Paul's in there preaching, middle of the service. 
Young man falls out the window, falls into sin. The whole service, boom, that's it. That's the end of that. Everyone's outside. Fall, uh, Paul falls on him. And, uh, and, and, uh, and he's telling the people, trouble not yourselves. Man, the whole church is discouraged. Man, young man, we're in a church and, and here we are at church. A young man falls out the window and the, and the whole church is troubled. Man, I've been there in, in my youth ministry and working with young people where I'll have a whole youth group of teenagers going the right direction, but one of them makes a dumb decision and goes off track. And I'm like, what is going on? Man, it's troubling. Young person and, and church alike, you fall into sin. You get, you get lulled to sleep and you're not paying attention because you're not getting uh, the, that personal relationship with God. Your, your sin is going to be a great distraction, discouragement to the church. Man, we need, to, we need to toe the line. We need to be moving forward for the cause of Christ. And Paul had to encourage these people. And, and it's interesting how he does it. He says, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. Now they brought him. They picked him up dead, the Bible says. But here comes Paul and he says, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. And they put him aside. And he says, he'll, he'll come too. And, and young people, I want you to understand that with God, a return is always possible. If you have a heart for it, if there's something in your life that shouldn't be there, a return is always possible. We'll see this young man. He returns later on. He comes back to life. But I want you to notice that while the return is always possible, you will never get back the lost time. You know what happened to this young man? He fell out the window. Dead. Paul says his life's still in him. Go put him into bed. And you know what the rest of the church does? The Bible says the rest of the church goes and they go up to the meeting. They go back to preaching. They go back upstairs and they have the Lord's Supper. They carry on with the rest of the night. The Bible says that after they broke bread that they tarried until the morning. Talking, having conversation. No doubt worshiping and praising God. Man, they just moved on. A kid fell out the window and they're like, all right, don't worry. He'll come back to life. And, and they move on. But you know what? The young person missed out on that whole rest of the evening. That segment of time. And when we backslide and we go against God, you know what? There is certainly time for recovery if we've got a heart for it and we'll turn to God. But you can never get that time back. The young person lost that whole night. Don't waste the time that God has for you, young people. Time for you to serve him, to be faithful. You can never get that time back. Yes, you might be able to get right later on, but don't play the odds like that. Just use the time you've got and serve God in church. Hey, the night is coming when no man can work. And so we need not to waste time. And if we've already, if that's already done and passed, the time's been wasted, you can't get that back. All you got to do is work double time now. All right? Just work with what you've got. Give it to God. All right? And so the young, the young people understand uh, that with God, a return is always possible. And, uh, and understand, too, verse number 12, and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. And we're always going to rejoice, young people. If you ever make a mistake down the road, church member, you make a mistake down the road. You do something and you go against God. You fall out the window. The, the church is always going to rejoice when you return. And it says here that it was not just a little comforted. It says, and they were not a little comforted. Man, that's, that's, that's emphasis on they were a lot comforted. They were excited. They were overjoyed that this young man came back to them. And they were rejoicing in what had been done. All right, and so the youth ministry. 
There is responsibility, and it lies, on, it lies on just about all of us. And when it comes to pastor and what he's doing in the church, he's got extensions like me. And we're going to work with the young people, and we're going to encourage, and we're going to teach. Man, it's awesome when I can plug a young person in with an adult to go soul winning. Why? Because they're learning from the elder. It's the way for it to go. It's the best way. I wish I had adults that I could send. We have 16, 17, 20 teenagers on Saturday. I wish there were 20 adults that I could send out that were, that were soul certified, confident, that they could train these young people how to soul win. Most of the time they're learning from each other, though, because there's not enough adults. That'll do it. So I'll teach a couple of them, and we'll go together, and we'll train them, and then their younger teen, older teens are teaching younger teens. We've got a responsibility as the church, for the youth ministry to work properly, responsibility with parents, responsibility with the pastor, responsibility with the young people. And when that all is working together and everyone understands the responsibilities, we can see an effective youth ministry. Quickly, I'll end with this. Queen Victoria was a child. She didn't know that she was in line for the throne. So her instructors were constantly coming to her and trying to get her to understand. But she, she didn't know that she was in line for the throne. But they're trying to teach her about being a queen. They're trying to teach her about ruling. They're trying to teach her the importance of all the etiquette and things that you're trying to, to, to instill in her life. But she just didn't get it. She didn't take her studies seriously. Eventually, one of the teachers was able to tell her that one day she would become the Queen of England. Upon hearing this, Victoria quietly said, Then I will be good. And the realization at, from that point forward that she had a responsibility to a throne completely changed how she behaved in her attitude and in her training. Obviously, eventually becoming the queen. And I, I, I hope that this, this message, this, these ideas tonight, will help us to understand the importance of our responsibilities, Amen. the role that we have to play, and, uh, and that we take them seriously. Because there's much at stake here, much more than a throne. All right? And uh, our young people are priceless. They are priceless. Amen. And uh, when, you, when you talk about them being the future, man, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a, a under... I mean, it's, it doesn't have any value, that phrase doesn't. I mean, they're everything. The Lord tarries is coming. It's everything. If we don't have a young generation to come up behind us that are going to follow after Christ and be disciples of Christ, then what have we done? What have we done of value? And uh, we could say, well, we left them with a nice building. We left them with some money in the bank. No, our responsibility is much greater than that. And, uh, and so let's, let's latch on to our responsibilities and, uh, and, and follow what we're supposed to be doing, all right? Each in our individual role to make the youth ministry strong and healthy. Let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer this evening. Father, Lord, we do thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you for the time around your word. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, bless these truths as they've been presented this evening, Lord. When it comes to our responsibility, uh, Lord, may we do our part in, uh, in following after you, in, in following the precedent set in your word uh, for how a youth ministry should run. Lord, parents, pastor, and, and young people all pulling the same direction. Father, we need a generation that seeks after you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to your word. I would ask you to stand with me this evening if you would.